2: This is Alan Smith's Ask the Trucker Live on Blog Talk Radio, the largest radio social network in the world, with your hosts, Alan and Donna Smith, focusing on driver health, careers, regulations, and the important issues facing the industry. It's time to shut down that big rig, sit back, and come join the conversation. Ask the Trucker Live begins right now.
3: Trucker Live, where we bring you uh, many of the trucking's most controversial issues, including topics like we're having tonight, uh, which has remained somewhat of a hush hush topic for many. Today's show is Trucking's Unspoken Topics of Sexual Harassment. And it's a topic which, um, although it's been in the background conversations for many years, for some reason it's not been generating very much attention or publicity, or, or the urgent concern that you would think it deserves. Hi again, everybody. I'm Donna Smith, and I'm hosting tonight's show, Filling In for Alan. Uh, with me tonight is Desiree Wood, and uh, she'll be her co-hosting, and she's the founder and president of Real Women in Trucking. Uh, besides being uh, a truck driver advocate, Desiree is a veteran driver and owner-operator also, And she's been many years involved with new CDDL drivers and entering and coaching and mentoring and helping them to be aware of the obstacles which so many entering trucking face, including this real possibility of sexual um, harassment. So um, just to give you an idea about everybody, um, Real Women, and I'm looking at the – dashboard, and I don't see Desiree up here yet. I know she has a load, and but she'll be with us in a minute. But anyway, a little bit about Real Women in Trucking was formed in 2010 as a protest group by women truck drivers seeking improved conditions that were not being effectively addressed. And uh, it's a grassroots driver-led movement, 501c6, trade association status, as of June of 2013. And the participation is voluntary and open to all those who have a desire to help others. And as a matter of fact, almost 10 years ago on this very radio show, Ask the Trucker Live, um, Desiree Allen and myself had this same discussion with a series of harassment radio shows. Um, We had drivers calling in confirming that sexual harassment occurred in their companies we even had male trainers calling in who confirmed uh, that it was going on. And uh, these, these shows are posted in the archives, and we will be posting the links to this show uh, and the past archive radio shows 10 years ago. Okay, so what, what really has been done and what's changed? We'll post it up on Ask the Trucker and, um, and also on uh, social media. Now, also with us tonight, uh, we have, we're so honored to have Joshua Friedman of Friedman and Holding, uh, one of the nation's most recognized attorneys defending the rights of others in the area of sexual and racial harassment. And uh, Alan and I were so happy to meet him at GATS this year, um, where he presented at the Hot Topics event that um, uh, Real Women in Trucking posted. It was a great event. Uh, A lot of great information came out of it. We actually have a video of that, and it's posted on our trucking social media um, website, which we've been sharing the link around for that also. Um, His firm's been recognized as Super Lawyers, 214 to 218, Best Attorneys in New York, 209 to 218, and New York Magazine is one of New York's area's top attorneys. Mr. Friedman is also a graduate of Columbia Law School, has 30 years experience uh, representing employees in discrimination and sexual harassment, and he really focuses exclusively exclusively, um, representing plaintiffs in employment and education, harassment, discrimination, retaliation, and so forth. Mr. Friedman is on many boards. Holds numerous memberships and awards, and he'll be sharing with uh, us all tonight his knowledge, experience, and advice, as well as discussing the events which led him to the attorney for the ongoing CRST case. And I don't know if very many, um, you know, are aware of that case. Um, I'm looking at the switchboard. There's a lot of listeners in here, but I don't see Desiree's number. So be here, I'm sure. Uh, We also hope to be able to address and discuss today the reason that sexual harassment within the trucking industry is so prevalent. More importantly, if there are such incidents and they're so common and widespread, why isn't it being discussed? You know, are they even being reported? Who, who, Who are they being reported to? And if so, what happens after they're reported. So you'll learn tonight uh, the number one person that you don't want to report it to and you'll be surprised who that is. Um, What's even considered sexual harassment? Who are the victims? Many times they happen during CDL school training, company new driver training, team driving, Um, People are threatened, intimidated, blackmailed, raped, and and who's talking about all this? Every year, trucking puts out the top five or ten concerns. I don't ever remember seeing sexual harassment on that list. And yet thousands and thousands of cases are reported. Who's responsible for it all and what's being done about it? So before we get into the show, we want to invite you to call in with any questions you'll have. Um, If you're already listening from your phone, just click 1 on your keypad. That'll put you in the queue. If you're listening from your computer, then you need to dial in 347-826-9170 and press 1 on your keypad. If uh, if you call in to ask questions, we do ask that you keep your questions general and not speak about a particular incident that you're contemplating contacting an attorney for. Uh, we'll give you all of Mr. Friedman's contact uh, info during the show so you can speak to him uh, privately if you need.
4: <clears throat>
3: so before we go on, uh, we're going to take a short break from one of our very trusted sponsors, and
2: we will be right back. You're listening to Ask the Trucker Live with Alan Smith on Blog Talk Radio. Don't go anywhere. Alan and Donna will be right back.
3: So anyway, welcome Josh and Desiree it's been so much fun, uh for this show tonight. I'm not even going to start. You um, both have been, such so many uh, stories, it's, it's probably heard me with you. So um, anyway, welcome Josh and Desiree. How are you doing tonight? Pretty good, Anna. I'm doing
6: too- I'm doing great.
3: Okay. I know you're busy. I know you're on a load. So um, just just jump in when you can. I know how it is. Um, Okay. So, anyway, Joshua, I don't need. Where should we start? Desiree, where should we start tonight? Start with. um, Uh, um, Well. What is uh, the, the questions I brought up in the. Um, you know, why isn't all this being addressed and getting into a case? Um, where do you
0: think it's
6: well, I, I uh, mean not a
0: lot of spoilers? Well,
6: I, I I would like to start kind of where, you know, at the beginning that you and I have been trying to get the industry to address this ever since I first made contact with you in 2007. And we did shows on it in those early. Um, I think in 2008, I got a hold of you. I started in 2007, and we did several um, shows, blog posts, wrote emails, contacted the other organization that was newly formed, um, and we were dismissed and ignored, and it was continued to put under the market uh, under the carpet. And in the meantime. The world's changed. Um, Other industries have um, been having to deal with this issue. Um, Google just had a worldwide walkout over uh, sexual harassment. Facebook just today put out news that they are not going to include arbitration acts when it comes to social harassment. So all these industries are changing in the world, but this industry continues to want to shove it under the carpet and um, not deal with this. And um, we have drivers that are, don't really know a lot about it. They don't understand that these um, issues are very isolated, and five or six carriers that have a similar business model, which makes this issue kind of a side effect of what's already going on there that they do understand is wrong there with the over recruiting the bad training the bad trainers um the good trainers that are getting bad students the ill-prepared students so i guess really that's kind of what um, i've seen is that this has been something we've talked about for almost a decade now now that the world is changing and you have seen this need to movement and this time's up you're starting to see the other organization that assisted in shoving it under the carpet monetize it for their benefit but the drivers that are entering the industry are still not aware of that organization they're still coming to me for assistance after they've been hurt seriously and so you have two dialogues going on here you have the monetized version of me too and time's up for the corporate Uh, People and the FMCSA and all going to meetings, giving each other accolades. And then you have the women arriving at orientation centers every week with their belongings in a cardboard box that have no idea that they're going to a really bad place that has not solved this problem. And they're being led to believe that the human resource department is their friend and that's where i think josh can come in and help us
3: yeah uh well we've we've you know covered a, a, a big area so far just uh, but uh again welcome thank you so how many cases really are uh, a but Donna,
0: could you many speak many
6: up a little yeah, yeah you, I'm having trouble hearing you, you as well.
3: You know, I have a new headset on, and it, oh now you sound possible. good. Oh, okay, now you great, sound clear. clear. Okay. Much oh better. boy, I wish I would have had that during the introduction. Um. Anyway, um, how many cases would you say are happening versus how many are being reported?
1: Well, uh, are you asking? Uh, off- it's, it's it's impossible to know how many cases aren't being reported because um, they're not being reported. Um, I think um, Desiree would have her finger on the pulse, so to speak. Um, she speaks to a lot of women who uh, are concerned about reporting, uh, some of whom haven't reported. Um, most of the... Um, cases um that do get reported um you know there let's see there in the in the crst case um there were approximately uh 270 uh complaints of sexual harassment in uh, uh in under a three-year period um those were um complaints that crst itself documented um i don't know how many even formal complaints there were or whether there may have been some that weren't documented but i guess crst is the largest team driving company and if they're if they're getting on average say 80 or 100 complaints a year then the other team driving companies uh must get proportionally a similar amount of complaints um My guess is that that's a fraction of the total uh, number that are out there, but what fraction that is, there's just no way to say.
3: Okay. So those are just the ones that are being reported to the company. Um, Yes. So we really, I mean, there's thousands of cases, you know, if if you add them all up being reported for all kinds of harassment but you know i don't how do you even define uh sexual harassment? i mean you know well that's a good question um
1: you know it um it typically arises in the in the context of the team driving model um during the training phase where um The trainer is typically out on the road for several weeks uh, with the trainee. And um, uh, because the vast majority of uh, trainers are men, um, they end up training both uh, women and men. And um, what happens is, um, as uh, Desiree said, as a result of the actual business model, These trainers have an enormous amount of power over the women whom they are training. And they're also alone with them in an intimate space, uh, the cab of a truck, uh, two sleeper birds, um, for several weeks. And they start off as complete strangers. And um, the uh, trainer determines whether or not um, the trainee gets recommended to pass and goes on to make money. Uh, you know, contributing to the power that the trainer has is the fact that the um, trainee owes uh, the company who provided her uh, education to get her CDL several thousand dollars if she doesn't complete her contract. And um, it takes uh, eight months uh, to, let's say, maybe about a year or so to complete that contract. So, she has an awful lot of incentive to make her trainer happy. Um, and what, when there is sexual harassment, and it doesn't happen all the time, but when there is, um, what you typically see is um, a male trainer, um, you know, on the, on the less severe end um, making flattering comments, inappropriate comments about anatomy, buying the uh, trainee a lot of gifts, expecting that he's going to get something back for those gifts. Um, And um, what happens is in the, say, intermediate cases, it progresses to um, the trainer uh, talking to the trainee about the sort of uh, physical interaction he wants to have with her what he'd like to do with her or sometimes to her and sometimes what he plans on doing, uh, to her, which is of course very frightening because he physically has the power to overwhelm that, uh, trainee. And she has an incentive, uh, not to resist because she's not going to graduate and make money and we'll have to pay all that money back. Um, and then you, um, you have a lot of instances where the uh, trainer says straight up, um, you know, if you want to pass, uh, you have to provide sexual favors. And on the extreme end of the scale, um, you have sexual assaults and you have um, rapes. Um, and um, all, of those, all of those instances uh, getting very touchy-feeling, uh, touchy-feely, very handsy. All of those instances that I've just talked about are examples of sexual harassment that is facilitated by the uh, the business model.
3: Uh, let me ask you, how many of all these reporting actually make it important?
1: Oh, um, I think, uh, you know, it... Um, It's a very tiny number. Uh, The uh, case that our firm brought against uh, CRSP on behalf of Ms. Sellers and the other two named plaintiffs, uh, I believe it's the first one of its type. Um, In that case, um, all of the people who reported sexual harassment during that three-year period are are members of a class now that that class has been certified. But at other companies that have the team-driving model, um, unless somebody goes out and retains an attorney and then timely files a um, charge of discrimination with the EEOC, um, they, um, you know, they they don't have any legal recourse uh, against the company. And what happens is, with the companies, um, the lawsuits become just a very tiny cost of doing business. Just to give you an example. My understanding is that CRST last year grossed around a uh, billion and a half dollars. Now, speaking hypothetically, if if they can, if a company like that can pick off individual lawsuits and settle them for, say, whatever, 50,000 or something like that, which is a low number, um, you know, it... Um, it has absolutely no impact on their bottom line, and they have no incentive to, uh, to um, really do anything about it. You, um, you, you alluded, Donna, to um, uh, one of the uh, central um, problems when you were uh, introducing the guests a little bit earlier, which is uh, the surprising advice uh... that your listeners were going to hear and i'll I'll give it to you um, in a uh, nutshell you know what the three oldest uh, lies in the world are well the third one is we're from human resources we're here to help um... human resources is there to protect the employer from liability and um... If a person wants to make a complaint to human resources and see that things are properly handled internally, she should still consult an attorney to make sure she doesn't put herself in a position where she can be a victim of retaliation, and so that she preserves all the evidence that's available to uh, prove to the company that her claim is uh, valid. CRSD has a policy of not finding the claims are valid unless there's a confession or an eyewitness um, in the cab of the truck, which is kind of unlikely given that there are only two people there—the harasser and the uh, the victim. Um, so, if you've been the victim of sexual harassment uh, before you report it to human resources, find a qualified attorney and speak to the attorney.
3: Okay, and what kind of, when you said they should preserve evidence, what kind of evidence are we talking
1: about? Well, um, depending on the situation, there may already be text messages. Some people are in the habit of just deleting their text messages immediately. And I've, I've found that some of these text messages are pretty gross. And um, women just don't want them on their phones for understandable reasons. They're grossed out, but they're evidence. Uh, You need to hold on to those. Um, You know, a lot of times um, women are in a truck. um, They've been routed to a terminal, but they're going to have to stay on the truck for two or three days with somebody or maybe one or two days. And they want to know whether or not it's legal for them to secretly record what that driver is saying to them. They've made a complaint already, perhaps to HR. All right. And they said, well, come to the riverside depot or whatever depot it is we'll see if we can get you another trainer or something uh be, but before they get there they should have legal advice as to whether it's legal for them um to secretly record what that the inappropriate comments the, the driver is making and the answer is in in almost all states not all but almost all states uh, it is um, but you need an attorney to uh, to tell you in which states it is. Um, those Paul are just a Taylor couple of examples. A of yes. Sorry?
0: Yes.
3: I'm sorry. Uh, Desiree, Paul Taylor has a list of states that require either um, one-party or two-party consent. But uh, on that recording, even if it is legal, um, Josh, I read, I was reading the actual um, – you know court papers And The woman had Called in and said I even have a recording And they no one would listen And they, the answer was Well we don't know that that's their voice That, that was right mm-hmm. in the um you remember reading that? Yeah Ezra?
6: Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
6: It, yeah and I experienced Myself at Covenant Transport And I learned later that They don't want to listen to it because as soon as they hear it, now they're liable. So they try to not um, look at real evidence because then they have to do something. So as long as they can push it off, they're not liable because they can always say, I never heard that. I never saw that. And and it's because they didn't want to. Right,
1: and what your listeners should know is uh, those tapes are admissible in court because if you're if you have that evidence and you're not satisfied with the way the company handled it, let's say for example the company refused to believe that it was your trainer who's on the tape. Well, um, your attorney can bring a lawsuit against the company, um, and uh, assuming that the facts are there to create liability. Um, you can identify uh the voice on the tape fairly easily um and the jury actually hears it so yeah. um you know the, it it just seems that um no sexual harass or worth assault these days fails to use some sort of social media or um texting or email or Twitter or some sort of device which makes a record of his inappropriate um, uh, communications and that's what we spend uh, really a lot of time finding out about when we do an initial interview Um, you know tell us all about those things make sure you don't delete them and make copies of them okay so
0: text and
1: Right, and it's not only with the harasser, but also the text messages you exchange with your driver manager or HR. Is the driver manager responsive? Does he or she get you off the truck right away to keep you safe? These are all issues right. that come up in uh, these types of lawsuits.
6: Right, and I want to add to that phone uh, pictures, video. Qualcomm messages take a picture of it and keep it Um, and if you're reporting something don't do it on the phone and if you reported something in email or on Qualcomm and your company is not responding to you back in writing in some manner they want to call you on the phone tell them reply to my email because they often want to talk on the phone because there's no record and that's where they exactly. are really trying to get you to do something even when it's trying to make you to break your hours of service and all the other stuff they try to get you to do that's illegal they do it over the phone so you need to learn to not answer the phone make them do it in an email or a text or on the call cop and then take exactly. a picture of it and keep it because
1: what what ends up happening is when they write up their report of your conversation they Let's just say they're trying to do a good job, but they're a little bit biased, all right? Um, But they're going to remember the things that are helpful to the company. Remember, human resources' job is to protect the company. So human resources is going to write things like, I wish I had complained sooner, or it really wasn't that bad, or something like that and not the part about, God forbid, him exposing himself or touching me in private places and things like that. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I agree with uh, Desiree 100%. Okay. Um, you know,
3: you know, I was looking at, well, first thing I wanted to ask you, it said in 2014, Kathy Sellers, uh, Claudia Lopez, and Leslie Ford, filed a charge of discrimination against there as he was the DLC and the California Department of their uh don't
1: Donna speak up again.
3: Oh, is it is it am I losing is this better? I I see it. Yeah, no, just get a little, a little closer bit. to the mic. Yeah.
1: Okay. Is this better? There you go. Yes, that's okay. yes. better. Thank you.
3: Okay, I'm actually holding the mic. <laughs> oh boy. Anyway, they started out, uh, they reported it to the EEO um, How did you come about with the case?
1: Okay. Uh, well, uh, if memory serves our firm actually made those uh, EEOC reports for them
0: okay. and I would recommend
1: that um if um, if you're interested in taking legal action don't do the EEOC report yourself get in touch with a law firm uh, that's qualified and have the firm make the report just as uh, the firm should assist you in making the report to human resources if you want the company to do something about it sometimes um you know, somebody's already reached a stage where they believe the company has ignored many complaints about the same driver who's sexually harassing the victim and they're ready to take legal action right away and they go to an attorney. But even if they're not at that point and they want the company to take action, they should still be speaking to an attorney before they make the report to AHR. In this particular case, um, what happened was I got a call and um, uh, two calls from uh, Miss Lopez uh, and Miss Sellers, um, and uh, they—I you know, didn't know anything about the problems that existed in this industry at that uh, when I got these calls, and the the women had experienced sexual assaults multiple and. um It sounded to me as though, you know, this is not necessarily something they wanted to hold a trial about and go into all the horrible details. If the company was willing to reach a a fair settlement with them, that was what they were initially interested in, and I thought it made sense. I got in touch with the company, and the company said, Yeah, we're happy to talk. They put me in touch with their attorneys. So when I was discussing that with their attorneys, I started poking around. And what I found is possibly as a result of the radio shows that um, you and Desiree uh, did back in '07 and '08, the EEOC became aware of the problem with this training model. And the EEOC had brought a case on behalf of, I think it was about 270 women in about somewhere around 07 or '08. Um, And exactly the same allegations were made by these women under oath um, in the depositions that were available online from that case. And they described the same thing, a policy of not believing the women's complaints unless there was a witness or a confession, and a policy of not considering uncorroborated complaints against the alleged harasser in determining whether or not the plaintiff's claim the uh, victim's claim was credible and i thought oh my god um you know it sounds like uh this has been going on for over a decade what these women experience let me ask my clients whether they have the same experience and what they said to me was the only thing that happens to these guys is they get marked no women uh they're not fired there's no discipline um you know six months they don't get to train women after that they can go back to it potentially Um, and even that uh, the no women sanction if you want to call it a sanction is appealable Um, and so i i said to my partner rebecca holding uh becky it sounds like if we don't try to do something to stop this this is going to continue, and there are going to be more rapes. And there are going to be more sexual assault. And she said, "I agree. Uh, let's speak to Miss Lopez and Miss Sellers." And they felt the same way, and that's how the uh, that's how the lawsuit got started, as a class action.
6: Yeah, and um, so. If, go ahead, Desiree. But, I want I want to ask a question. So, yeah, those old cases, and that was the. The dismissal that the EEOC kind of dropped the ball on. So your case came after that with new plaintiffs. And after that dismissal, CRST, even though they admitted no fault, they did give a $50,000 settlement to um, Monica Stark, I believe, to make her go away without... Um, admitting any guilt and then they hired I think that's when they hired Karen Carlson does that sound right like they brought her in to kind of fix the mess
1: Yeah um, that does sound right and you know miss Carlson um, had a, a pretty neat idea actually. Um, she suggested um, to the president of the company that they put cameras in the trucks. Um, and, um, you know, you can debate how invasive that is as far as privacy is concerned, but you know from the talk that we had at the GATS convention that all the women drivers in the room believe that at the minimum there should be uh, cameras during the training period. And, um, you know, according to her testimony, um, Uh, the president wasn't going to act on that suggestion
4: Mm
1: -hmm. and why is
3: that why is that well um,
1: I think it's the reasons that Desiree alluded to um, that um, you know it's it's It would involve, I think, a fair amount of expense and time, and training would become a lot slower um, if the workforce were properly policed and if um, harassers uh, were actually disciplined. Um, In the class action that we have, there are very, very few instances, very, very few, of harassers... Um, being disciplined for sexual harassment or you know what what happened in a lot of those instances um, uh, was something else and um, uh, I I just think that it would uh, it's the law Uh, companies are required to police the the, uh, workplace for sexual harassment but from a business point of view, a dollar and cents point of view, it's less expensive for them just to settle the few lawsuits that they get uh, when they get them, because, you know, it is it is shameful uh, for women to have to talk about um, the physical aspects of these assaults, and a lot of women are already people who've suffered childhood abuse for whom it's very traumatic to come forward, and... Um, the, um, the, the, the the way it works out is that for these companies, it's better it to settle the lawsuits than uh, to prevent the harassment.
3: Well, you know, I, I have an idea. Can you guys hear me um, okay with my Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, Desiree had brought up, you know, the over recruiting. And, you know, right now in the trucking industry, you know, there's a big so-called driver shortage when in actuality everybody knows that, you know, it's an it, it, that somebody wants to win because the basis is so low and the tax are so high. Um, so that brings up two things. First thing is you're going to need a lot of trainers to bring in all these uh, to train all these new people who, by the way, as a I think it's a 100% failure rate on new drivers entering the industry. Um, but anyway, you need to have a lot of trainers. So perhaps, number one is, you know, um, having a camera in the truck would um, deter a lot of people from wanting to train. Number two is, if, if you're a predator, then perhaps this is exactly what you want to do. You want to be a trainer, and having a camera in the truck again would uh, prevent a lot be of Be a deterrent. Be a deterrent. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so and, and I think can... they're looking at the the recruiting. Like you said, they need to have trainers.
6: Right. So. It is, uh, and when we say cameras, and we start getting all these people going, oh, privacy issues, privacy issues, the the cameras that are being, the driver-facing cameras that are being used at some of the other companies, yeah, it did cause a lot of people to quit. But those were drivers that were already driving solo on their own truck. We're talking about in the training portion of the truck only, not in the sleeper bunk. Because you have to be very clear when you talk about a camera. Everybody goes off the deep end without even knowing the details. If you had a camera in the driver portion or something of that nature during the training, I wouldn't be against it. But, you know, these training companies don't want that because they're doing lots of stuff they shouldn't be doing. The trainer's going in the back and sleeping and leaving the trainee up there to drive at night in the snow when they have no business driving at all because they don't know how to drive. Um, they have um, a number of different abuse with these cameras uh, that they're only be, supposed to be used for certain things, but you have some dispatcher that's a voyeur that's sitting at their desk uh, watching people um, turning them on. So th- that's why there's a lot of problems with, um, with the, the idea of the cameras, the over-recruiting is, and you said, it's in, and it's in these court documents that we had unsealed. And the, that number popped up in the prime discrimination case that the turnover rate in the industry that we hear about is almost 100%, but the turnover rate in the training carriers is nearly 200% right and a lot of right. drivers don't know that and the only reason I discovered it is because I have court documents from both the crime discrimination case and the CRST case and it was the testimony from trucking executives that cited that number okay so I knew I had provide, heard it somewhere yeah if you can't provide safe training it says in the OSHA rules you're entitled to safe training. It's not safe training. Now, I talked to a guy yesterday that he's been driving five months, and he's got a student. He's a new trainer. He's been driving five months, and I said to him, you've never even gone through your first winter, have you? And he said, no, I haven't. But he's got a student on his truck right now, and he's teaching the student how to drive. This is what's going on in the training fleet. That's why they well, don't just, care. They don't They don't care about keeping anybody safe under any situation. And and it it describes in the
3: court documents what the um, criteria was to be a trainer, and it was a very limited uh, amount of time experience on the truck. Uh, We've got some people hanging on with their hands up, and for all those who jumped on after I announced phone number um if you want if you're listening in on your phone and you want to ask a question just click one on your keypad and if you're listening online and you want to ask a question just dial in 347-826-9170 and then click one on your keypad um are we ready to take um perhaps a couple of callers yes
1: i'm ready donna
3: Okay. Uh, I'm going to open up the line on area code
6: 510.
3: Area code 510. Good evening. Oh, so good afternoon. I'm just doing the evening code. Hi. Who do we have here? Hello. Okay, I, I see them on here. I don't know. Can they hear me?
6: You guys hear me? I can hear you. Okay.
1: Yeah, I can hear you, too. Maybe we should play the identify the area code guessing game while we're waiting for them to pipe up. South like California. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh. All right. Hello? Is it? Hi. I think I pressed
6: the number, but I okay.
3: Oh, okay. That's okay. Sorry. This
6: is the right. Oh, it's NASA. It? <laughs> sorry,
3: sorry. No, oh, huh? know. I okay. <laughs> okay. 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 All right. I'm going to. Um, oh, and the other person just dropped off. Okay.
6: All okay. right. Well, let me. Let me. Go ahead. I want to ask a question myself. Go ahead. Okay. So, since all of this has come, you know, um, You know, grown, and they hired Karen Carlson to be a fixer uh, there at CRST, which. What was her title?
1: She was the director of employee relations, and she had responsibility for investigating complaints of sexual harassment. And eventually, there were some people who were hired to work under her direction.
6: So she was the head of the human resources.
1: Not human resources, employee relations. There was a person who I think was slightly senior to her who was the overall head of HR. But uh, Ms. Mm-hmm. Carlson had responsibility personally for investigating complaints of sexual harassment.
6: Okay. And in her testimony, um, she really delivered kind of some of the smoking guns on how they had failed. Is that accurate to say that she's really the one that said yeah we don't we don't believe women basically i mean that was the 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 consensus of what she she testified and that they don't have um they don't let somebody's um previous complaints against them follow them to whether they have another complaint from another trainee they didn't ever match the two together and say okay this person's had three complaints about them from three different individuals they didn't have right if the prior
1: complaints were uncorroborated then the new complaint quote stands on its own and Mm -hmm. the odds of a complaint being corroborated where you don't corroborate in the absence of a confession or a witness are not zero but they're pretty close to it
0: Okay. It, by the way, so. um,
1: I'm I just want to mention this because I think it's it's pretty interesting. I'm looking right now at the um, at the website for the uh, Accelerate Conference at Expo um, uh, that's um, going on in Texas uh, next week, and they have a piece on preventing sexual harassment, and they have case study number one here. Um, and I'm just reading from this, 1,400-plus uh, complaints in three years, no discipline. And then they say, unfounded unless corroboration or admission. And then it says, lesson learned, take complaints seriously. So I may be misreading this, but it looks like they're using the CRST as a case study and what not to do.
6: They um, okay, so let, that that actual um, PDF takes a lot of content from our website, by the way, so that people understand. I that know it does. It, there, that <laughs> because it's not fourteen hundred
1: plus complaints in three years. It was, it was more about, like three hundred. <laughs>
6: That particular data is in the CRST documents that we filed a motion to unseal that I have put on our website and the slides that they're using in that presentation at the Accelerate content have an incredible amount of plagiarized material from my slideshows that are public on SlideShare, but they never cite where they got the information. So this is what, where my next question is going to, that it's quite sinister, that you have now another, um, besides Ellen at Women in Trucking, who's kind of led the charge to plagiarize information from our website, from Donna um, in the past, and, and some of our members and board member Tracy that have given her information, but not used it to make solutions, only use it as a marketing tool to monetize for herself really because there's not anything going down to the drivers. Uh another company, Prime, hired after the discrimination case that they lost for three point two million. They hired somebody by the name of Brooke Mosley to sort of fill the role like, you know, employee relations, um, start uh starting a women's program, um our organization, Real Women in Trucking, started the Queen of the Road Award to recognize women because we were seeing a lot of recognition only for the women drivers that kind of um, objectified them, you know, the most beautiful contest and and all of this kind of stuff. So we wanted to do something that was more dignified uh, following our uh, Uh, inaugural or around the time we were introducing the first Queen of the Road awards, we saw that Prime initiated this Highway Diamonds program, which Brooke Mosley initiated it. So the problem that we've seen, though, is um, it's put certain women up on a pedestal while at the same time the problems with the discrimination and the the sexual uh, harassment And uh, even sex assault, they're still getting reports of it. Um, If if somebody like Brooke Mosley knowingly was sweeping things under the carpet, so to speak, um, and you knew that it was her that had knowledge of this, going on and letting these people still go back into the population without um, holding them completely accountable for something so serious like an assault. Is there a way that you could sue these women? because what I'm seeing is is they're finding a way to separate themselves from the drivers that are being affected, and have these conferences that are like in their own universe where they're all patting each other on the back um, and making people that are in executive circles and that are really large sponsors believe that they've solved this problem. They've tackled it. And then you have uh, women even just yesterday calling me saying, no, this just happened to me two months ago. And that person was the one that, blew me off how do we hold them accountable can we on an individual that's a that's
1: a good question um and i can answer that but it may not be exactly the answer that you want to hear um first of all i just i need to answer your question as a hypothetical because i have no personal knowledge that brooke mosley or ellen or anybody at Women in Trucking is doing anything bad. I'm not taking that that position personally. But let's use the hypothetical. Let's say that a director of personnel does sweep things under the rug uh, at a company, uh, director of employee relations, say, as a hypothetical, all right? What the law says is that an employer cannot be negligent. What that means is neglectful. Um, it's a fairly low standard that the plaintiff has to meet. Um, I mean, certainly, if they can, if the plaintiff can prove that the employer, through its human resources or employee relations department, is intentionally turning a blind eye, covering their ears, and eyes here and see no evil, um, then they can prevail on the question of whether or not the employer is liable. Um, in fact, it doesn't require that much. All it requires is showing actual knowledge of the sexual harassment um, or constructive knowledge. Uh, sometimes you don't have to show, for example, that the president was aware. It's enough to show that somebody uh, with supervisory responsibility is aware. And that once the company had that knowledge, the only thing that stops sexual harassment is prompt discipline, period. And I think there are studies that have established that. And it's just common sense. Um, You know, you can train all you want, but if there are no consequences for violating the training, it'll it'll continue to happen. So the standard is a pretty reasonable one. It's just some level of fault. So all those examples that you've been citing, um, Desiree, Would result in a company being held liable for sexual harassment but under the statute um, the federal statute title seven individual employees cannot be held liable so um, for example Ms. Carson is not a defendant in the uh, CRST case Um, Mm -hmm. neither is the president Um, There are some states which provide statutes that allow you to hold individuals uh, personally liable. But honestly, although I can understand the feeling of wanting to do that, I think there there are pluses and there are minuses to it. Um, the plus is that a person may have a real honest and well-founded grievance against a person who did something wrong, that to sweep something under the rug. But I think the whole thing that you pointed out, uh, Desiree, is that at the end of the day, the problem is the business model. And mm-hmm. if you bring a class action on behalf of 300 or 400 women against an employer, which is a well-founded class action. It doesn't matter whether or not you sue the director of HR, that is something the company is going to have to take seriously from a financial point of view, and it's going to force them, if it's successful, to actually prevent sexual harassment. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. As as part of
3: the, um, the lawsuit, just to
0: let
3: people know what exactly... Um, were, um, I'm just reading here. They brought claims under Title uh, VII, alleged that... Donna, speak
1: up. I heard everything up until Title Seven.
3: Okay. Can you hear me?
1: Now. Yeah. yeah. better.
3: Okay. Alleging that CRST's unwritten sexual harassment policies subjected them to a hostile work environment based on sex and retaliation or complaining of sexual harassment. They alleged that TRT's discriminatory sexual harassment policies included requiring third-party eyewitnesses, uh, corroboration or admission uh, by the accused to failing to impose discipline even when a sexual harassment uh, a complaint was admitted or corroborated, which is really incredible and failing to discipline managers that violated official CRS policies in handling sexual harassment in place, and, four, requiring women who made sexual harassment in place against their co-driver to exit the truck and thereby forego payment for miles they otherwise would have driven. And that, in a nutshell, is... Um, I guess what you would say was the main uh, part of that now um, Desiree you had a part in um, this as far as unfeeling um, the motion to intervene uh, which is unfeeling uh, the documents documents there and uh, I guess unfeeling documents is so that uh, uh, you know it you're allowed to do that in upper court cases like the U.S. Supreme Court and, I um, how would you define that?
0: Um,
6: I mean, maybe first, Josh, explain why court documents are sealed and would be sealed. I'll
1: give you a quick explanation. Um, there there are uh, basically two reasons. Um, and the, the reason that they were sealed in the CRST case is that it was, it was our belief as plaintiff's counsel that possibly every week or uh, relatively frequently another woman was being sexually harassed, uh, assaulted, or raped. And um, the defendant um, ordinarily is going to fight producing any documents or proceeding uh, with the lawsuit until you agree as plaintiff's counsel to a confidentiality agreement. Given the stakes here, given that you can't make somebody really whole again after she's been assaulted like that, we decided uh, not to fight them on this. Uh, we thought that preventing the uh, assaults was more important. Our firm always fights uh confidentiality agreements this is the only time we've chosen not to um but um we did uh choose not to uh do so in this case for the reason i explained then the other scenario which isn't involved here is where uh a company a defendant comes in and says look there are trade secrets at stake here you know coca-cola can't risk giving out its formula." Uh, the secret sauce is too valuable, McDonald's would say, right? But um, uh, what you have in these types of cases, discrimination and harassment cases, is usually a, a sort of a, a game of chicken with the employer and the plaintiff's counsel um, uh, battling to get, the plaintiff's counsel is battling to get the materials they need to win the case, and the defendant's counsel is saying, well, we're not going to give it to you unless it's confidential. Okay,
3: well, some of the things that were, um, you know, I just highlighted a few of them, but some of the things that were, um, unsealed was one page of HR's form documenting recommendations and actions, outlining eligibility requirements to be a lead driver, that, which I don't, you know, I don't know why they wanted that sealed, I mean, you know, uh, the fleet driver selection process and the training program. So that was Unfield. Uh Karen Carlson discussing her idea for the Rock the Rules competition. I don't know what that is. Funfield um, were advertisements in publications, I guess, driver and women in trucking magazines. Excerpts from TRST driver handbook. Um, that was unsealed. Excerpts from Jaroski's office employee handbook. And that's just a few of the things that were um, unsealed. Um, but there was quite a few things that, you know, people can read about. Actually, all this, you know, public and online, we can post yeah. it to so, do everything.
6: So, so, a couple years ago, I guess it's been a year and a half now, Real Women in Trucking, our organization, uh, got a lawyer, and we um, entered a motion to intervene in this case to uh, join with the nation, which is a very old publication in the United States, to unseal these records because even though I know, knew that this was going on, we couldn't get very much information about it. Now we know why, because Josh just explained why there wasn't very much information available about it. Over the years, I've worked with many, many journalists to do stories hoping to get trucking writers to start doing stories and educate the drivers and hopefully be able to get some change in this industry. But what we've seen is trucking journalists, especially women trucking journalists, ignore this topic. They don't talk about it. They don't write about it. So you have a lot of drivers that never heard about it. It's incredibly difficult to get the General public to care anything about drivers, even though there's been some really good articles written about it with a little bit of content we did have. Um, Anna Merlin uh, wrote a really great article, and Mary Pilon wrote uh, many articles in many publications. But because uh, the nation. yes, for the nation, Fast Company. Uh, there was something uh, in a couple different pieces in the investigative fund. Um, but when we we share them, hardly anybody reads them that are um, in our industry. And the trucking journalists who are women in our industry have just outright ignored it. Um, I have a, a gentleman write me uh, two days ago and say, you should go tell OIDA they'll write about it. I said, no, they won't. <laughs> no, they won't. And so we, we filed this motion to intervene with the nation, uh, join into this case so we could unseal these documents and make them public. We won. We won the case. We were able to get documents sent to us around the time of the Great American Truck Show. I've made um, PDFs available on our website I shared the files with uh, you know Donna and Alan Um, I've tried to get a couple of trucking publications to uh, look into them and start writing about it they've ignored me so far Um, obviously we see that that accelerate document they've looked at them and they've picked out what they want to cherry pick out of it for their purposes to monetize this issue for themselves but we don't have women um, that are new drivers even knowing who women in trucking are I mean I've had several phone calls just this week from students that are less than one year in this industry they are working for sponsor companies of women in trucking and they've never heard of women in trucking so you have two different universes going on right now um, where the, the you know they're They're sort of going to our website and using our content to talk about this issue, but if if you're not teaching these women how to protect themselves uh, when they arrive at the orientation center and they're still calling me after they've been hurt, we are not, that's not the solution. Um, So we've got to do better. And the motion to intervene was a huge victory for us, but there's a lot of enablers in this industry that could do something significant to take it further, and we can actually make change. Right.
1: I've got a uh, a question for you, Desiree. Um, what is the major publication? that uh, most truck drivers read to learn about the industry?
6: Well, um, I mean there's a couple. There's Landline Magazine um, that OIDA publishes. There is The Trucker, which is um, a newspaper type publication they give out at the truck stops and has a digital magazine. There's Overdrive that has a digital magazine. And they have another one called She Drives Trucks that's just uh, geared for women. I don't know how well that's doing. And they have um, Trucker's News. They are the company, Randall Riley, that um, had the – they're the ones that put on the Great American Truck Show where you spoke. But getting one of the writers to write about this um, story, even when I directed them to the – Uh, did that happen Desiree
1: did they write
6: something no they haven't no they haven't we got a lot of people that attended our event and the people that came to our uh, hot legal uh, there on the convention they were like gosh you got a lot of people um, come for our first event they were like uh, over a hundred came in and they were like this is great you should do this again and they were very excited but there's only a limited amount of population of drivers that actually can come to a convention like that. Yeah, that, that's um, why
1: I was asking about the um, the industry papers that are read by the truckers. So, have you actually approached the uh, writers, including the women writers of those papers, and they haven't been interested in covering this issue? Is that what you're saying? The,
6: uh, I, yeah they have and I have a Deborah Lockridge at heavy duty trucking I've had her write me to fish around for information but then not write anything Uh, some of them they just fish around for information to take it back to the other camp and they don't do anything about it Uh, then you have the truck stops all have their own publication I don't think Love does but uh, the Travel Centers of America has a Road King magazine Pilot used to have Challenger magazine I haven't seen it lately I don't know if they're still doing that or not Um, there's a, a, a lot of ways that they all have their own little radio shows, Blog Talk Radio. Right? We have serious Radio, um, uh, you know, the, the subscription radio. They have Road Dog chat All day long, trucker radio program. Never hear anything about it. And, and this is the thing. When you're a student driver and you're driving, all you hear is that serious Radio. It's like propaganda all 24 hours a day. And all the commercials are from the big carriers. And then all the shows are about trucking, but they never talk about this. So when you're a student, this happened to me when I first started driving and I was listening to Sirius Radio. Every commercial is about these carriers, including the one that I was working for that's not very good. And it started making me feel like there was something wrong with me because I'm like... Are these really good carriers, and I'm just not seeing it because I'm seeing something completely different. And all of these shows are talking about stuff that's not important. Um, it, 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 when I was hearing some of the topics on the shows when they were so ridiculous and trivial and frivolous topics, I'm like, there's so many other things that are going on out here. They could talking about to help educate you so uh, i for one i I don't even have it anymore Um, i don't even listen to it but i know thousands of drivers listen to these shows every single day and they're getting talked to about dolls and girl scout patches and all kinds of silly stuff when they're sitting there thinking to themselves and then they're listening to a commercial for the carriers that they're working for and where they're being abused and they're like going, okay, maybe I'm the one that has the problem because, you know, the world is all rainbows and unicorns for everybody else apparently. Uh, that that really concerns me uh, when you have this volume of media directed at the drivers right. It does not give them anything important.
1: Right, it's as if um, the, the industry is in a bubble and Me Too is happening around it, but the media that focus on the industry is not covering the Me Too that relates to the industry.
3: Well, right. I, just, I, exactly. I just found an article on Overdrive, June um, 15, 2018, and it's written by one of the Overdrive staff, and it does say EEOC crime overdrivers alleged sexual harassment. Um, and it was about a trainer um there's another one what is that
1: the uh case that's in front of the supreme court now yeah that, is uh, that no, no, that's that the case that the
6: lady that's the lady this, for the harassment after the discrimination case right um let me read it uh, oh, is uh, her last name puerta it. or something it says, in the lawsuit,
3: EEOC alleges that Prime violated federal protections against sexual harassment by allowing one of its dependent contractors to keep driving with female co-drivers after being accused of sexually harassing male drivers. Yeah, I think that's
1: the one that's in front of the Supreme Court now, and the question of whether or not uh, mandatory arbitration can be imposed um, where the uh, victim is allegedly an independent contractor, but is really more of an employee. No, no that's a different case. No, uh,
6: no that's, a oh, different that's a different one. Different case. To do that. Yeah, that's a different yeah. one. That has to do with misclassification. But you're, but they do do that. They do these companies that have, have the lease program uh, where they're they're uh, getting these people in these lease trucks, so they have a lot of misclassified. Uh, drivers, and then when they're training and this happens, that's their—that's how they feel they're out is because they say, well, they're an independent contractor. We don't have any control over them. Um, right. Well,
1: one but, yeah, important thing for your listeners to know is that um, as long as they're an employee uh, or a trainee, uh, the company cannot require that they arbitrate. There's an exception to the general rule on arbitration. So... Um, if they uh, do get uh, asked to sign a, an arbitration agreement, up uh, to them whether they want to sign it, but it can't be enforced. And I know of a case recently where um, a, uh, a woman was sexually harassed and, and the uh, um, carrier uh, told her that she had to take it to arbitration. And I think her attorney didn't understand that that was unenforceable. They ended up arbitrating it. Um, but it's unenforceable. If you're if you're required to sign an arbitration agreement, uh, it doesn't mean anything. It's not worth the paper it's written on. Well, actually, okay.
3: I just found your case in Velocity, um, and your name is is in this article. This uh, breaking for the plaintiffs, not just Um And so, uh, yeah, it is about yards and that was Back and, uh, what year? So, 2015
0: 2015
6: so that's when this first happened yes. so one article here and there a couple years ago you know like that's why You know, how many thousands of new drivers have entered the industry since 2015 that have never, ever heard of any of this until right now? And next week, there will be a thousand more. Well, here's the thing, Desiree, okay?
3: Um, I asked earlier how many of these cases
0: go to court,
3: and um, Josh said you know, not not many, right? They usually get settled. Right,
1: very very rare. I mean, so, when you say cases, I, I I would I would qualify that. How many instances where uh, a woman is sexually harassed by a trainer go to court? I would say tiny, tiny, tiny fraction.
3: What about a co-driver?
1: Oh, uh, same thing.
3: Same thing. So it looks to me that they're reporting them when there's an actual court case, But if it's all being shoved under the rug, what are they going to write about other than a continual, unless they did an investigation reporting, of people actually complaining? I mean, it would,
6: it would be an actual investigation of what's going
3: on in the in- I disagree.
6: I okay. disagree, because... The motion to intervene just happened this summer. Where's the article about that? All of the documents that have been unsealed are now public as of August. Where's all the articles about those? You could do a zillion articles with those court documents about all the different aspects of why this is a problem and why it's a problem other places. And just because there's one big case going on with Josh – doesn't mean there isn't other cases at other carriers. So exactly, they're individual
1: science. cases. I, I find it hard to understand as well why, you know, uh, publications that reach the drivers themselves are not doing investigative pieces the way uh, Mary Pallone did uh, on the industry. And that's yeah, what it's a would take. it was complete
3: failure.
6: Uh, you it, know, well, it would I take think... very little time. It would take very little time to take one court document and do one article based on one court document. Very little time, but nobody does it. I, I and think even do a poll key... and ask drivers, "Have you ever been affected by this?" That never happens.
3: Well, that and that was what I was just going to bring up. Uh, I think, if you notice, these trucking publications, they write about mostly what is concerning drivers. If sexual harassment isn't on their mind, uh, they're not going to write about it. So I think where you start is um, exposing the problems to the actual truck driver community. Have it become a discussion. And when, when these journals realize this is a discussion uh, that people want are concerned about i think then they're going to start
6: writing about it more i i uh, this is what one of the problems is is when you do get try to get somebody to talk about it you have all these people coming out of the woodwork saying what about the men what about the men that are falsely accused what about these women wearing tank tops bring it on themselves and then it turns into this whole other thing and at the end of the day there's really a lack of education in this entire industry from the top, the very very tippy top down on this issue and when we were on our cruise last year and Ramona Hogue came she brought her friend who's a school teacher and I know this because I have worked in corporate environments but her friend that's a school teacher said, you know, we were passing the microphone around between us talking a little bit about ourselves and our backgrounds. And when the her friend, Regina, took the microphone, she said, I'm not a driver. I'm an elementary school teacher, but I'm just blown away that there's no training in sexual harassment because in my industry, every year, we have like two straight days just on discrimination and sexual harassment with videos and tests every year annual retraining it is like a full-on workshop that happens in a lot of corporate environments this industry if you get even five minutes you're lucky if you see a 15-minute video you're lucky do people learn from that they don't have annual retraining that's a lot of this problem is people don't even understand what is legal and what is illegal.
1: That's true, and that's, that's why um, you do occasionally get confessions from the uh, harassers because they didn't even know what they were doing was illegal. They said, yeah, I did that, so what? Don, I can't hear you, sorry.
3: Oh, um talking about, like, you know, they might think that, you know, telling a, a, a Nancy joke or showing a Nancy video to somebody funny wasn't harassing, and, you know, they might just look and say, well, I can't do that.
6: Yeah, they don't understand that. They don't, there's a lot of these people that don't understand that you don't show porno at work. Nobody ever told them that. Right. Well, you know... um, there's
3: one more thing that can be done, and I don't think it will be done because of the desperation, uh, the need, the desperate need, to have trainers. But you know, there is ways to take psychology tests to uh, predict the behavior of people, and I think that should be uh, one of one of the solutions if they're really going to try to. Uh, to address this issue I don't think they're honestly I don't know of
1: any psych tests that uh, has yeah been validated. I don't think that you
6: can identify somebody that has a that has a predisposition to rape or you know what you should be able to do though is if you're gonna be in a team driving situation you should be aware if you're getting on a truck with somebody that has an a, a history of violence against women um, a rapist, um, and and obviously because so many rapes are not reported, um, you do have serial rapists running around who's ne- who have never been identified before, but the entire culture is not uh, conducive at all for transparency. Yet they expect you to live with somebody in a little tiny box and everything to go right you really never know who somebody is until you put them in a really tense situation and this job is tense and you, okay, and you I'm get gonna, far away
3: I'm going to pick up a caller here area code 870 area code 870 Who we have here
7: Idella Hansen. hey Idella how are you hey i'm doing just fine you know i find there are so many points to this that you've already covered number one Desiree mentioned the trainer that was training that had driven four months i would be interested to know if his company gave him any training on training did he give that did they have any training on sexual harassment in the situation that they're put in the second thing is is uh, I was listening to a radio show and somebody was asked about the Me Too deal and the things that were going on. And we were informed by somebody very high up that we shouldn't be bringing this stuff up because it makes the young people coming into the business afraid to come in, and we won't get
0: the, well, the, the applicants
7: was, for the new jobs. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, 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 we shouldn't be tarnishing the image.
2: Is what yeah, we were right. said.
7: What was told. And that's right. exactly be tarnishing right. the image. Right. And uh, uh, I find that very disturbing. I find it very disturbing, very disturbing that, that disturbing. I shouldn't say. Then the next thing is, is uh, for instance, you give HR a call, and this, this is something I encountered. And I was told, don't you think you're being a little too sensitive? <laughs> Excuse me, That's I'm being classic. too
0: sensitive. It,
1: right. Bland, yeah, I'm being too sensitive. How did he get your yeah. phone number? Yeah. that Josh
0: have
3: phone
0: number uh,
1: what what I said was one of the classics is blaming the victim. So, you know, the victim uh gave the harasser her phone number so they could communicate with each other when they're off the truck, right? And then the HR yeah. says, "Well, why did he have your phone number?" You know?
0: Yeah.
1: I mean, it's it's absolutely it's a cliche. You've
7: got an iffy yeah. situation. You've got an iffy situation. The there hasn't been any actual touching between the parties, but there's been noises and implications. So you don't feel that you should make a police report. Yet when you call HR they'll say, Well, did you did you call the cops? Well, <laughs> There wasn't anything to report. Well, exactly. It's a catch-all situation, and and I really, truly think that not only should there be training for the trainers and classes, that there should be more than a five-minute video, and as much as I love my company, that's all I had was five or ten minutes about sexual harassment. Five to ten minutes of a video that was so old that it broke up. Um so how am I supposed to know how am I supposed to make a report? Should I call the cops? Should I not call the cops? Just very interesting and then to be told, oh well, you're a little too sensitive, don't you think that that's it's demeaning. It's very demeaning. And it makes yeah, you go yeah. away thinking, well maybe I am a
0: little sensitive. you
7: know yeah, well that's what
3: they want. I,
0: he didn't I actually
3: t- yes, sir.
1: I know what, what happened in the, the case of the Miramax Studios with Harvey Weinstein was um, that, um, I guess it was uh, actually um, Carlson, uh, a different Carlson, who came out and blew the whistle. Uh, no, that was Fox, I'm sorry. Um, so that happened first with Fox, and then the Weinstein uh, episode, and the Weinstein Studios went out of business um, because of that. But there's, there's been no threat to the trucking industry of going out of business because of this. They have, yeah. they have consistently been able to treat it as a business expense. So, you know, the, I think the answer is going to be class actions, legitimate class actions, where there really is a cover your see no evil, hear no evil approach. Especially in the training aspect of things, because uh, just like with uh, in the uh, entertainment industry, it wasn't until they realized their survival depended on it um, that they did something about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, so, and there's and actually
6: there's player, no threat it, to the
7: business model. There's no threat to right. the business model. Why should we there's worry no about th- it? Because we got books.
6: Right. And the the, the way that we, there can be a threat to the business model is for us to start educating the people that would care about it, who are the shippers and the receivers, that have companies that have um, ethical standards, that are companies that care about who they're doing business with, consumers that are purchasing some of these end products and saying, who is in your supply chain? We've seen this in other industries where almost overnight trucking companies went out of business in the L.A. ports when they found out about the lease scams going on with the port drivers exposed in the USA today. Almost overnight the company went out of business, tried to recreate themselves as a chameleon carrier, was unsuccessful, lost all their contracts, and then legislation was entered in California to protect the port drivers. Our industry, our over-the-road sector, has failed to get together on any single topic, including this one, when there's so many examples in other industries where almost overnight businesses have been shut down because people got together. Let me give you an example,
1: uh, uh, Desiree. In in the Mm -hmm. CRST case, Um, Victoria's Secret uh, the limited brands Gap um, enormous companies uh, who market um, either exclusively or uh, an awful lot to women use uh, CRST as part of their supply chain in fact um, I believe uh, Amazon um, provides CRST with a very significant uh, portion of its business and if the directors of those companies, the Limited, Victoria's Secret, Amazon, um, took it upon themselves to say to the CRSTs of this world, we won't tolerate this in our supply chain. The public is going to hold us accountable. Um, as Desiree says, uh, that, that, that is successful. That's what happened in the pork trucking case, and it could succeed uh, with mm-hmm. the carriers. Yes.
6: Yeah. Prime has a big, huge fleet of flowers. They deliver flowers to all of the florists from the farms all over. I mean, those are those are businesses that the drivers have information on. Who do they have contracts with? Let's get in touch with the supply chain, the logistics people, the people that make the decision who is in the supply chain rotation and start trying to educate them and reach out and see if they can help. Well, guys, I'm going to yeah. have to take a break right now, but we're going to come
3: right back and uh, we can continue this and we can talk about, um, you know, some of the things, what can be done, to pollution, what women need to do to get stay out of a situation or get out of a situation we can touch on that. But we'll be right back.
5: Every time I find something, every time I see something I think is, is, is a, just a really good thing, really good for drivers that can help drivers uh, Make more money, make their lives easier. You know, whatever the case may be. We, you know, I think I've had a pretty good record of uh, sharing those things with everybody that has proven to always be always be pretty much right on. And uh, there's something there's something I came across, and I, I've been watching it for a long time, dealing with them, talking. And I wanna, I wanna share that with you owner operate specifically. I, I wanna tell you about a, a new way to find good paying loads. Or I should say a new way for those good paying loads to find you. And it, it's called Zyper. And, uh, it's, it's spelled P E R Zyper. So, uh, so what is Zyper? I really like this thing. I wanna, I wanna get this out to everyone. Zyper combines a massive load board with a virtual dispatch system. And, and owner-operators, we, we all know the feeling of too often being frustrated, waiting at a truck stop for loads or accepting cheap freight just not to drive back empty. But you really don't have to. The, the, there's a Zyper app, and it's not just a load board. It's a virtual dispatch system which finds you custom loads and send them directly to your phone. And after you download and set up the Zyper app, Shippers will know your exact location, your route, your destination, your equipment, and available capacity, and they will send you an available load matching your criteria, the criteria that you set in. So you can accept it or you cannot accept it. It's totally up to you. And Zyphor, it intuitively knows when you are available. Zypher notifies you instantaneously, directly to your phone, and you can even maximize each route with multiple. Loads. So, drivers, I, I want to invite you to take the Zyper Challenge. Think about it. Wouldn't it be great to not have to always search for new loads, but instead be notified directly and immediately when custom loads designed for you are available? And not only that, would it be even better if you had all the paperwork done for you? Zyper actually sends loads offers to the drivers automatically generating documents such as order confirmation, bill of lading, signature capture, proof of delivery, and invoices a shipper immediately after shipment is made. And in, in addition to all this, Zyper offers the ability for shippers to track their shipment live while in transit and these are the same duties that dispatcher would offer except cypher performs all of this in a virtual system and it's only uh, $25 a month and so go ahead lock in at the $25 a month you know there's simpler apps out there with less features that are going for 10 times that price $25 a month or $250 a month it's pretty much a, no, a no-brainer Lock it in at $25 a month. Go ahead and take the Zyper Challenge, and you have nothing to lose and everything to gain. Right now, there's a free trial available, so go to Zyper.com. That's, that's X Y P P E R.com, and it's definitely a win win for any owner operator trying to maximize profits. Another thing I like to try to pass on, and uh, just trust me on this, check it out, and I know you will uh, be glad you did.
3: Okay. Um, well, that was Alan doing um, talking about diaper. But while, I, while we're on the subject, and then, then we have another question. One of the callers is having a hard time calling in. But um, just to follow up with the diaper uh, Virtual Dispatch, there's a big Christmas um, giveaway going on with them. So if you uh, want to enter it, you are going to take the first 100. That's it, and it's a $200 gift card. So you can go to um, diaper.com forward slash independent trucker, and we also have this up on independenttrucker.com. So I strongly recommend you, you know, give, give it a try. You're going to love it, and then try to get that $200 gift card. Um, they're only offering it to the first 100. Okay, getting back to the show, and uh, we're talking about about so focused of sexual harassment. Uh, so, my co I'm Donna Smith. My co-host is Desiree Wood, and our special guest is Joshua Breeden. is holding, and uh, we have a question for you, it I'm having. Here's the question. I have a hard time. Um, I can't see. My question is, how can a billion-dollar company not have sexual harassment protocols and follow them through? Aren't there laws for this? That's
0: the question. The,
1: the question was, how can a billion-dollar company not have protocols? Aren't there what? Laws for this. But,
6: and not get in trouble. Like, be how can they be compliant as a business?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I got you. I mean, there is there is the um, there is some training at CRST um, uh, when they onboard um, their trainees. I think um, uh, Desiree mentioned that they they have to sit through a, a film, um, and there there may be some in-person training now. I don't believe that it's repeated on an annual basis. I could be wrong, but that was the last information I have. Um, and um the the reason they can get away with this is that the only enforcement mechanism are these lawsuits. Um, there is mm-hmm. no federal law that requires that a company provide adequate training. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: well let, let's but
3: go here let's say a woman is in a um, In a situation. Now, of course, I I know it's going to be different for each different situation. However, let's say it's a, you know, where she's very uncomfortable. The guy is really acting, you know, very inappropriate, doing inappropriate things. She's afraid it's going to escalate. And uh, what should she do in that case? What's the first thing you tell the person?
1: Well, um, Donna, if if you're asking me, the first thing I would tell her to do is think about her safety and uh, try to get off of that truck immediately. And, uh, you know, she would probably be in the best uh, position to figure out how to do that. And then the other question is, does she want to be met by police at a truck stop when she gets off the truck in case things get nasty?
3: You advise that. So when she gets off the truck and she's safe, what's the next immediate step to do? Do you call your company? Do you call the police? What do you do at that point? Now you're safe.
1: um, You don't know what to do. You're off the truck. Let's say you've called the police and they've helped you get your stuff out of the truck and they've taken a report. Um, You know, it's it really um this is the point where speaking to uh, a experienced attorney in this area can make a big difference because um you know you could as as a, as a victim of sexual harassment you could get uh advice on whether it se- seems like the company's in compliance with the law um whether what you've experienced is a result of the is a result of the company's negligence, it it it, it could very well be that um, there's no real evidence that the company is violating the law. Um, but it's still in your best interest to have legal advice on how you collect evidence, so you know it doesn't become one of these he, sh- he said, she said situations where HR just throws up their hands and says. I'm sorry, Ms. Smith, um, there's nothing we can do. He's denying it, because even if the company is, um, uh, a decent company that wants to do something about it, um, in general, they can't just fire people, um, when they don't have, uh, some evidence, um. So uh, I I think if you can, you want to get some legal advice at that point, either to, to help the company do what's right if you believe that uh, they're, they have not acted badly in the past, or uh, possibly they have and you don't know that. And um, it may be that the reason you've been sexually harassed is the company has failed to investigate complaints or punish people and that is also advice that an attorney can give you uh, at that point now obviously you know you're gonna have to let the company know what's going on um but um you know uh if it's important enough you can um you can reach uh attorneys after hours um, uh you know most uh good people who do this sort of work should be willing to give you a generous amount of their time without any uh charge um to help you understand what your rights are and that's part let, of let what me ask uh, you right
6: two. there yeah i want to get you to one say your phone number and how people can get a hold of you two talk about uh what it means to be on a contingency because a lot of times drivers say i can't do i don't have any money
1: okay um well uh Uh, contingency is an arrangement where the law firm only um, gets paid in the event they recover money for you and uh, Mm -hmm. there are two types of situations one is the law firm takes a percentage of what they recover for you or in the case of a class action for example uh, the law firm is paid by the defendant so contingency means it doesn't cost you anything you don't have to pay expenses our firm functions on that basis, and um, some uh, of the other firms that work in this area do as well. Um, if you want to get in touch with our firm, Friedman and Holding, uh, you can um, call me uh, personally uh, at 888-369-1119. I'm extension 4. I answer my own phone. Um, There are a lot of other attorneys at our firm who are listed. You can try any extension you want, uh, even if it's after hours, feel free. Um, You know, all the attorneys at our firm happen to work from their own homes, and we're distributed all over the United States. So, um, you know, you might be calling Hawaii for all you know, and in that time zone, uh, that's regular business hours, even if it's uh, midnight. Uh, So don't hesitate to call that number, 888-369-1119. The other thing you can just do is Google my name, Joshua Friedman, and uh, we should come up on the first page, the uh, Friedman and Holding uh, Law Firm, and that gives you instructions how to reach us. And you have a choice, you can call or uh, you can uh, use a form online or you can send an email.
3: We have your banner up on Aston Trucker, so if people just want to go there, they'll probably find the banner there, too. But any one of those wanna, ways um, are easy to, to get a hold of them.
6: I, um, I want to say one more thing, though, because we get a lot of these naysayers that are like, well, what about the men? What about if it, it's just I just told her she had a nice whatever. Frivolous lawsuits. How do you de- determine whether... This person is just making stuff up and trying to get a payday. What what what's the frequency of of that? Because I've had people contact me trying to get me on the bandwagon for something. Um, and I have to I I listen to endless stories from people. And sometimes I have had men contact me as well. And anybody that's dealt with me knows I'll stick up for the band um, if I find out that you're lying um, and trying to make a false allegation against him, but I also find that women that are trying to make a frivolous allegation don't follow through. What What's your experience with that?
1: That um, it's very rare uh, that women stick their necks out um, like that. I mean, you have to be willing to um, say that you Uh, sexually assaulted or that you were raped, Um, it comes back to your hometown. Um, You uh, end up uh, permanently uh, perhaps having some sort of record of having made such a complaint. It depends on whether it's covered in the news, but um, generally speaking, no one who's sane would expose themselves to this. You, know, you know what happens when women come forward, you know, why did he have your phone number? Why did he think it was all right yeah. to speak to you that way? No woman um, is going to subject herself to that, probably until it becomes unbearable, unfortunately. Has it ever happened? I've had one experience in the last 30 years where a, a young woman called me and I can hear her mother saying in the background, tell them that this happened, tell them that that happened, like that, Mm. all right, but um, in sexual harassment, no, Um, does it mean that every complaint that's lodged amounts to a violation of the law, not every complaint, most of them, but not all of them, yeah, an honest complaint could be that, you know, he addressed me with his eyes, I felt very uncomfortable, um, At a single instance of something, I hate to use the word mild, but something that's not that offensive may not arise to a, a violation. But still, mm-hmm. I, I think, you know, the way to find out is get some legal advice.
0: Okay.
1: And, uh, yeah. you know, the other thing, uh, Donna, you asked me how people can get in touch. The other thing you can just do is just Google the CRST case because. Um, our firm comes up a lot in uh, articles about that
3: okay uh, well we're going to also have a follow up um, post on it'll have a link to this show uh, with a player on it to listen to the replay and it's also going to have um, four other shows that we did back in 2008 I believe it is so that we did that show 9 Maybe 2009, I'll have to go look. Uh, but, and it'll, it'll give a little review of, um, of the case and link to different, uh, to different documents so people can really get an understanding uh, of, of what's going on in the industry. And, and hopefully, this is going to create more of a buzz, uh, maybe not as equal to the ELD charge. But it'll have more of a compassionate element to it. I know that daily people are suffering and, you know, what we do? So um, I want to thank everybody um, for calling in tonight. Desiree, I know you're busy. You're out on the road. You're driving. You've got your cruise you're putting together. And, a matter of fact, you want to, you want to tell people when that
6: cruise is real quick? Yeah, I mean, yeah. But I want to say one final thing about, I get a lot of people at the uh, contact me, companies that are trying to hire more women. They contact us. They want to hire more women drivers. And one of the issues I try to tell them is, first of all, we don't take sponsor money from any offensive carriers, okay? We don't. The few carriers that we do take sponsor money require a driver has experience. And when they contact us, they want to know why more women drivers are not applying for them. And I ask them if they know what's going on in the training carriers and how many women are falling through the cracks. And I suggest to them that perhaps if they really do want to hire more women drivers, then maybe they should start their own training program internally because the situation in the training carriers is really so bad that... Um, a lot of women aren't making it out of there, or they're going from training carrier to training carrier, never finding their way to these good companies. And then once they find a dispatcher that will leave them alone and they're, they've they've been through absolute hell, they don't want to rock the boat. They don't want to go anywhere, even though it's a low-wage carrier. They don't want any more trouble. They just want to keep their head low and, and work. But those carriers can also help us in this by knowing more about it knowing where the bad carries where this is happening and helping us start carve the herd out and and identifying where this stuff is happening because it is affecting how many qualified women um come out of this system and that's why they're they're not applying for your job and also look at the kind of job you have i mean if you have a job that's completely impractical women are a lot more rational about okay i'm probably going to get a um, uh, trip and fall in about eight months of that job and won't be driving in a year um, or some other thing. But it's not as simple as saying, hey, we want to hire a woman driver. Um, so I get a lot of phone calls like that. This is a very complicated issue. So I encourage um, companies to learn more about this issue of why they're not, they're not seeing the experienced qualified women um, move on from the training fleet. So um, and it's still at six percent. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but there's there's so many women entering trucking. They are hearing the call, you know, trucking wants to hire women. There is a very low barrier to entry to this industry. You see one of those little articles that says that trucking wants to attract more women and you're welcome you're going to get hired there is no problem with you getting yourself in a training truck you surviving through your training is where the problem is going to be and moving on to an experience level carrier where you're getting treated with respect and you are getting paid uh, much better than you would in a training fleet so um anyway yeah, yeah. the cruise is happening in April we are going to do the Queen of the Road Awards in Tampa on April 12th. Road Pro is going to sponsor again this year. So we're going to have the award ceremony on land. We are looking for more sponsors. Road Pro is doing the Queen of the Road um, sponsorship, but we're still looking for uh, um, uh, gift bag sponsors and um, event booklet sponsors. If anybody's interested, please get a hold of us. There is a uh, still a few cabins left on the cruise. Sonia Tucci is handling that. It's on Carnival. We're going to Cuba. Um, we're leaving the day after the Queen of Road, Road Awards on Saturday, April 13th. The awards is April 12th, Friday night. So if you can't come on the cruise, but you want to come to the awards ceremony, we're gonna do this in Tampa. So get a load down, hang out with us on the night before the cruise. Um, As I said, we're going to Cuba and Key West. It's a five-day cruise this year. And we are also doing a layover in uh, Las Vegas, a little get-together on December, I want to say 7th. There's also some truck parking meetings that are by phone. Um, That first week of December, I have some notifications on our Real Women in Trucking page. And finally, on Mother's Day, we are doing the Make-A-Wish convoy on Mother's Day in Pennsylvania, and we are hoping to get 50 lady drivers driving their own trucks. We are also following the convoy, which happens on Sunday, Mother's Day, with our own special Mother's Day treat. Right after the convoy, we're going to go check in at the Hershey Hotel and have a spa day there and um, you know hang out together so that's going to be in April and that's it
3: and all this is up on your website realwomenintrucking.org right
6: yes the cruise event page is just on Facebook Um, I'm going to try to get it on the website while I'm home I'm going home for the first time in a couple of months right now I'm like two hours from home so I'm going to work on that, but the event page is on our Facebook page and our members-only page. The Make-A-Wish um, event is on our the blog section of our website. We um, this a hundred-dollar entry fee for you and your truck, but they but then you fundraise to get um, a, a higher spot in the convoy. So you go to your friends and family and your network and see if you can get people to sponsor you, because if you can get Uh, some good fundraising for your truck, you get moved into one of the top 30 spaces. Um, There's a carnival all day and the convoy, I think it's 26 miles or something. It's a wonderful event. I think this is the 30th year or something. Um, They're gonna make us a special banner for real women in trucking um, entrance to identify us as women truckers because they have very few uh, women that have driven in the convoys. Mostly, if there are, it's a married couple and the woman doesn't drive. The man drives. So they really want to make a statement this year by having uh, the women show. You know. Right. Well, um, that's great. You could look at all this on
3: Facebook. A lot of people follow you on Real Women in Trucking and also in RealWomenInTrucking.org. And Israel have that uh, cruise thing up. Uh, the description and how to get your tickets and what's on the um, itinerary this weekend. Um, I'm running out Donna, of time. Donna, do I, I have
1: time to just put in a plug for Real Women in Trucking?
3: Yes, you do.
1: I really yes, encourage everyone to visit their website. Uh, if you're a woman who's having difficulties of any nature, that are gender related in your uh, industry whether it's sexual harassment or something else Um, uh, desiree has been there since the beginning and she's done incredible service so thanks desiree and uh, that's that's a very good alternative getting in touch uh, with real women in trucking uh, if you're having a problem they can help
3: thank you so much yes Absolutely, She's done a lot of work and uh, helped a lot of people. And um, I thank you both for coming on tonight. Um, Desiree from Real Women in Trucking and Joshua Friedman from Friedman and Holding. Um, let, let me see your number again. is 888-369-1119. And uh, we appreciate it very much. Just look at the follow-up uh, post we'll put up with the link to this, this presentation. Play. For everybody who can make the replay, you can listen to it and read the articles. We'll have all the links. So, thanks again, everybody. And thanks to all the callers for hanging on so long and all the people who asked the questions. So, um, until next time, thanks for listening. Thanks, Thank Donna. you,
6: Donna. Thank you, sure. Josh.
2: You've been listening to Ask the Trucker Live with Alan Smith. On behalf of Alan and Donna Smith, askthetrucker.com, Trucker.com, Trucking Social North American Blog Talk Radio, and Ask the Trucker Live. I'm J. Michael Collins. Until next time, drive safe and thanks for listening.